Hello, football fans, and welcome to a Thursday night football edition. Yes, Thursday night football edition. I know what teams are playing, but a Thursday night edition of the Big D podcast. Before I bring in the night special guests, please subscribe, like, share the Smoky Spectrum Sports YouTube page where you don't know what. Well, we've got lots of great content coming. Hopefully, uh, not just. DFS contest or football, but uh, you never know what to expect on the uh, Spunky Spectrum Sports YouTube page. You can also check out the Big D podcast on Spotify, Apple iTunes, and also see the Big D himself on Twitch. So uh, please check it out. So joining us from one of my favorite cities, Nashville, Tennessee, is uh, my my new friend, Brian Craigan. Brian is a uh, Fantasy football writer for FFA.com, a writer for FF League winners, going for two.com, the cut fantasy football, and host of the Cash, Cash Crusade, DFS Pod, and DFS Style. Did I miss anything? Um, that sounds sounds about like all, all I've been doing here lately, for sure. <laughs> but that's keep that's keeping me busy. Yeah, it's keeping you busy. So. Obviously, Brian. Uh, one thing, uh, one thing you and I both know is how much you are a huge Steeler fan. So, uh, tell us about your uh, first experiences with the uh, growing up as a Steeler fan. Well, let's just say it's, it was easier to be a Steelers fan in 1975 than it is right now. The uh, unfortunately, Big Ben doesn't look like himself. But when I was seven years old, I lived in Frankfort, Kentucky. And for whatever reason, I decided that my favorite teams, NBA, Major League Baseball, and NFL, were all going to be the teams that won the championship. So Frankfurt was pretty close to Cincinnati. The Reds won the World Series, and I went to several games for that. So that kind of made geographic sense. But then the Steelers and the Celtics are my other two teams, and they, they won you know, the, the Super Bowl, and the um, Celtics won the NBA championship. So I've kept those same teams since, since 1975, some, what, 46 years later, I guess. So I kept, I kept my teams. They didn't, they didn't all make geographic sense. The only one that did was the Reds, but still, that's okay. I'm just saying, uh, growing up watching the Steelers in the 70s would have been watching not just one of the NFL's best teams, but the NFL's dominant defense because that steel curtain could literally kick the crap out of anybody, and it often did. And, and that's the amazing thing. I mean, obviously, they won four Super Bowls. But then just the, just the countless number of players that are in the Hall of Fame and even a couple of more that probably should, probably could or should be. So, yeah, that team was just just amazing. And, you know, in all fairness, Terry Bradshaw was – I've been ridiculed a lot by people here lately about how bad of a quarterback Terry Bradshaw was. But in all fairness, he won Super Bowl, four Super Bowls, so that's okay. He was better than Eli Manning, I think. Ooh, yeah, Giant fans might disagree, but, I mean – Terry Bradshaw played the year that he was in. I mean, what's in my, I mean, with that, with Branko Harris, Rocky Blyer, Lynn Swan, Johnny John Stubbs, and an amazing defense, Bradshaw didn't have to throw the ball much. No, and he actually wound up having a similar amount of touchdown passes and interceptions for his career. They're both in the 200 level. So, you know, his stats weren't great. And I, I, I get that, but he still had to win some games. Like the, like the Cowboys, the 35 to 31 win they had. So, you know, he, he, when he needed to be ready, he was there. I mean, in a way, 
in a way, you can almost compare. It's funny you mentioned Cowboys because you could mention Terry Bradshaw and Troy Aikman because with that with Emmitt Smith, Michael Irvin, that dominant offense line, Troy Aikman didn't need to throw the ball that many times. Could you almost say Terry Bradshaw and Troy Aikman are the same quarterback because they were the quarterback for the most dominant team of the decade? Exactly. I, th- I think, in all fairness, even being the Steelers fan, I think Aikman had a little bit better arm but they're almost identical in regards to results and what they had around them. And now that, and now they're both in TV. Exactly. So they've done, they've, they've done okay for themselves. So obviously now this year, the Steelers have not started off well, one and two. I mean, big Ben looks like he's, uh, older than Tom, older than, uh, he's on his last legs. I mean, you think this is it for big Ben? I think it ha- I think it likely is. I'll be sad when he goes. He's had a good career, but I think it's probably his time. I'm not giving up on him the season yet, though. I know everybody else is already shoveling dirt on him, but as a Steelers fan, you never you never give up. I mean, realistically, I wrote an article at the beginning of the year. I, I felt like we did well to be nine and eight, eight and nine, but I don't see a like four and thirteen season for him by any means. They'll be competitive. I mean, even the season that Big Ben missed. Basically, the whole campaign a couple years back, Pittsburgh was still in playoff contention until what? Week 15, week 16, like a bad season when the Steelers is 500. Well, well, exactly. I think it's been 30 years since they've had a, had a record of like worse than seven and nine. I mean, they're always right around 500. So, what, what was the Steelers' record in 2003? Oh, goodness. Um, I, I, off the top of my head, I, I don't know that one. I, that was right, but right would have been right before Big Ben came. I don't think they were great, but they were still probably seven and nine, six and ten at the absolute worst. Yeah, that might, that might have been Tommy Maddox, if my memory serves me right. That sounds right. Yeah, like you said, they've never. It's been a long, long time. Even when they had Merrill Hodgett running back, the ESPN commentator, they were pretty decent. So. I don't know. There's always something that, that that defense always does well. And in all fairness, they've had some injuries the first the last couple of weeks with TJ Watt and whatnot. So it hadn't been easy on the defense, but and they got a really tough matchup this week against the Packers. So I don't expect to win there, but I wouldn't give up on them moving forward to be at least competitive. By the way, uh Pittsburgh was six and ten in two thousand three. I, I was I wasn't far off. <laughs> Get a couple of bracket points for that. <laughs> Yeah, it's not like the Steelers own a 500 that much. But, again, one one interesting, one young guy I really enjoy watching this year is Najee Harris. And last week, even in a disappointing defeat, Najee Harris showed his value because he caught 14 passes. 14. 14. Yeah. I'm not even sure I- Damian Bell caught 14 passes in a game. Well, hopefully he has some shares of him him and um some some of your dynasty drafts and dynasty leagues and PPR leagues for sure. He was he was awesome. His his running ha- hasn't met up to the standard yet, but he's gonna be good. And I really like Fryermuth the tight end too. Uh yeah, I mean Steelers draft offensive skill players really well because there's always a new wide receiver a new, new young wide receiver. Whether it be Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, Pittsburgh always, always drafts a wide receiver position. Like, if you want to go, 
wide receiving team, the Steelers are your wide receiving team. Oh yeah, and even even Washington, James Washington is not that bad. If he he would start for other teams, but he's not going to get a chance there huh? until Juju leaves. Well, Claypool, sir. Yeah, he was questionable. I don't I don't know if he'll play this weekend or not, but I. I'm actually, in terms of the receiving core, my, my favorite is Deontay. He's actually my banner, as you can tell on, on Twitter. So he, he's and he's actually um, looks fully practiced today, so I think he'll be available this weekend, which is great. After a couple of weeks ago, that knee injury looked bad at the time. You're going to need him this week because I'm not sure you watched Sunday night, but uh, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams figured out whatever spiel they had in week one. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if week one for them was a preseason, you know, missing the preseason and not working together. But like you said, in both weeks two and three, they've they've gotten it together. So yeah, they're a handful. I don't see the Steelers going to going to Lambeau and winning that one. Yeah, so um as as we transition from the Steelers, uh, you and I were talking about an amazing about an amazing story you shared. Could you share this? Story of this um, guy who uh, got what a kidney tra- a kidney transplant. If my memory serves me right, yeah. If you don't mind, I'll back it up to my to my own kidney transplant and kind of oh. over that briefly. Yeah. Go so, ahead. so in 1998, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. 2003, type two diabetes, and in 2017, I was I was in late stage kidney failure. My kidney function actually dropped all the way down to eight percent. Okay. And my, both my brother and my best friend from college, they tried to tried to test and they did all the testing, but neither one of them passed. And my wife actually got diagnosed with uterine cancer in late 2017. And then since my transplant, she's also had breast cancer. But anyway, all the all of those tried to help. And we turned to social media, both Twitter and, and also Facebook. And we, we, we did our very first podcast here in Nashville. A lady by the name of Annette, of Annette McNamara was doing. Um, she has a nonprofit called Beautiful Strength, and she tries to encourage people that maybe are a little bit less, um, worse off than others. So she was doing this podcast, and my wife saw her on Facebook. And about 30 minutes later, she, my wife said, do you mind if we jump on with you? And she said, well, no, not at all. About 30 minutes later, we were, well, excuse me, about three to four hours later, we were actually doing a podcast with her, and we posted it on Facebook. And my donor, her friend had also been a kidney donor to a horse trainer in California, she saw this and said, y'all don't know me. I've been following you on Facebook, your posts and your tweets and whatever. I'd, I'd really like to take a chance to help you, even though you don't know me. So she came forward, did all the testing. To cut short, I uh, on August 11, 2020, I had a kidney transplant. And so since then, I've tried to help people. Like people come on Facebook, Twitter, it's like, how did you get your kidney? I said, well, I simply told my story. And so they, I said, well, what do you do? It's like, well, maybe go to your local news. And since then, five of my acquaintances, I can't call them friends, just, th- just through social media, but um, five of my acquaintances have gotten, have gotten kidney donations as well from living donors. So it's all about telling your story. Well, what we were talking about before we started here is there was a football player by the name of Jelly Roll Dalton. And he was a defensive lineman on the, I want to say 2000, 2001 Baltimore Ravens that had Trent Dilford as starting quarterback. On, on New Year's Eve slash New Year's morning, he had to be rushed to the hospital. And he didn't know it at the time, but he was having kidney, kidney trouble, kidney failure. And so he started a group like several different 
uh, the Steelers had some, some media help him, even though he was a Ravens player, so on and so forth. And I saw about it, so I helped. I did the best I could to get the help him get the word out too. And um, I've become kind of acquaintances with both Jamie Eisenberg over at CBS and Stefania Bell at ESPN. So I sent a message to those to see if they could help. And they also forwarded, put it out on Twitter and all that. And about, I want to say it was three to four weeks ago, Jelly Roll got a, a kidney, kidney donation and had a, I think it was a living donor. It may not have been, but anyway, he got a kidney from that. So he, he had done such a great job getting the word out. So I'm just really thankful for him and hope he's doing better. Man, that is amazing. In times, in tough times, where you hear stories of bad news, this, this, I'm sorry. It's it's nice when you hear touching stories of good news happening of yourself or Jelly Roll getting this kid these kidneys. Yeah, it's been really amazing. Um, I was fortunate enough that unfortunately there's like 113,000 people on waiting lists and the average wait time here in Tennessee alone is five to seven years. And like I said, I had multiple sclerosis and diabetes already against me and my kidney function fell to a level of 10 of 7%. And so I put the word out there. And like I said, this lady has started following our Facebook post and her friend was a donor, to, donor, as I mentioned, she just reached out to my wife after we put our podcast on Facebook. Actually, Annette did. And then the next day, she reaches out to my wife and says, hey, you know, once again, you don't know me, but I want to help in any way I can. I want to do te- I want to do blood work and all that. And, you know, she did. And her, even during times of COVID, her and her husband, Dwayne, drove to um, her name's Jackie. And her, her and her husband, Dwayne, flew to Nashville twice, once for testing and once for the actual transplant. And now... Sarah, my wife, has actually flown to Arizona for, for a group meeting with them. And in late October, we're, we're going to go visit with both Jackie and Dwayne. So we've developed a friendship for life, which is pretty awesome. I mean, it just it just shows who you meet, whether it be a job or, in your case, an, a connection that will last an eternity. Oh, exactly. That's the main major thing about it. I mean, and it, like my brother told me one time, you know, it's almost like finding a job, all the networking and all that. So that's why I work. I work constantly. I'm, I'm working 20 hours on this fantasy football week, f- fantasy football, because I can't physically I can't go back and work. Um, I probably I may not be, ever be able to, but I, I can at least contribute to something. And like I said, I, I pay, paying it forward is such a huge thing for me. I mean, Thank you for sharing that. So, and uh, speaking of fantasy, we uh, now venture from that amazing story to uh, DFS. So, uh, heading to week four, who are your favorite week four fantasy football and DFS options to target? Well, one one stack I used last week that I'm kind of looking at it again is uh, Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson. Um, the main main thing that most most of my uh, contributions and everything we, we we actually center around the main slate um for DraftKings. we, we prefer DraftKings o- over FanDuel just because it's a personal preference they're both great but like we tomorrow night i'll we'll do it we'll do a friday night pod called the dfs deep dive with the cut the cut ffb and um i'm actually the host of that and we do it every friday night at eight and we always discuss 
we always discuss DraftKings. And so far, you know, I've, I've just gotten into my initial rankings and stuff. I'm kind of getting ready for that show. But so far, I'm really big on Cousins and Jefferson again this week. Yeah, it's interesting, Kirk Cousins, because, I mean, you wouldn't think Kirk Cousins would be pop, would be talk the town, but he's been, but Cousins been really solid first three weeks, 25, 25, 28 points. I mean, Cleveland's not exactly the best defense. Yeah, they've got a great defensive line, but I don't blame for using Cousins and, uh, Justin Jefferson's coming off nine catch, 118 yards, and a touchdown last week. I, I don't blame for using Justin Jefferson. I don't blame you. And uh, I do like the stack. I think that is a, a stack I would definitely consider if you and a 20 max or a DK millionaire or Cousins Jefferson bringing back with like Odell Beckham or uh, Kareem Hunt, even. I think that'd be a fun step. Fun step. Stack to try. Oh, yeah. That's a, the, the nice thing about the Cousins and Jefferson, I mean, like, obviously, it's hard to get Mahomes in with Kelsey or Tyreek Hill or whatever price-wise, but you can get that one for about 13-5. And Odell just went off last week. I, did, I didn't expect – number one, I didn't expect the snap count. And number two, I didn't expect the production. So, you know, that, that would be an awesome counter. And Kareem Hunt's always – I think he's right, sitting around 6,000 off the top of my head. Six and six. Kareem Hunt got, got value there, too. So that, that's an ex- excellent, very excellent comeback players. <laughs> yeah, and most – and, yes, that will probably be a popular stack. A lot of people are going to like the Carolina-Dallas stack with the high point total there with three 6K receivers and two 6K quarterbacks and Donor and Dak. But to me – I think DK may DK is usually really good with pricing, but I think they made an egregious price this week with Robert Woods. How is he fifty three hundred? Well, exactly. How is he fifty three hundred? I know Cooper's Cup catching everything in sight. You're telling me Robert Woods is fifty three hundred? I was I was I was a week early on him last week, but he's going to get his eventually. Yeah, I, I, I played him last week. Talked about him last week, but I, I think I think at some point in time there's there's got to be a regression to the mean. So he's going to eat eventually. And like you said, I really I really actually I'm writing an article right before we started this. I'm writing an article about value plays, and Sam Darnold was my leadoff on that one. He's a, you know, he's not a pretty name by any means, but he's actually throwing for 296 yards passing per game. And he's got three touchdown passes and two t- touchdown rushes on the year. So McCaffrey out, I think he'll, I think he'll even do more. So, and Donald's at, and Donald's point total is going up. Twenty week one, twenty two week two, twenty eight week three. And I know Dallas's defense has played well. Then again, they played the Eagles on Monday night. It's not like they played the Chiefs or the Rams on Monday night. Exactly. And the only really good offense they played was the Buccaneers. And I forget the exact score, but it was in the, it was in the high 30s, if memory serves me. So. Well, I mean, they played the Chargers, but that game consisted of like more penalty, almost more penalties than points. Yeah, that was an ugly, ugly game. I really expected that to be a high-scoring game. But it was only 26. game annoyed me. I'm like, what in the world is happening? And the thing that was awful in my league of record that we've been in for 17 years, 
I thought, well, this is going to be a rather easy week. I've got Dak and, and Eckler and also, um, who's my other guy? Mike Williams. And I thought, well, this I'll do fine this week. <laughs> that blew up my face. That's <laughs> like, okay. Like, if you said Dak Prescott against the Chargers, I'm like, hell yeah, I'm using him. Yeah, I thought for sure I'd win that week. Thank God um, Mike Williams had a big week this week. And I beat my best friend, the one that actually was going to donate me, donate a kidney to me. I beat him this week. So. Uh, uh, you always beat you always beat the best mates. You do. The funny thing is that league has gone on for 17 years now, and each one of us each one of us have won it four times, and nobody else has won it more than twice. So he and I have won basically half the time in a 12 man league. So it's uh, a heck of a competition when we have it. So uh, as we end, as we uh, end on podcast, uh, one thing that one thing that you love is one thing that we can agree on is how much you love Shania Twain. I mean, yeah, but I, I do love Shania. Um, how, many, was, how many times have you actually seen Shania in person? I wish I could say I have, but I haven't. But I still love her music and her videos. But I, I was lucky enough to get in the Scott Fishbowl this year. And I'm in the Shania Twain division just because, you know, being from Nashville, you have to like Shania Twain. <laughs> <laughs> who, who hasn't? <laughs> uh, so uh, do you have a favorite Shania song? Um, any man but mine. The, uh, you know that one, right? Yeah. Got to walk the line. Yeah, that's uh, my favorite. I can I can attest because at two weddings, I, two weddings, I played the music, and the song that both brides took was uh, from this moment on. Oh yeah. How did I forget that one? That that was a perfect wedding song. Yeah, I mean, it just it just felt like a wedding song. And plus, I, and and it showed one time, and it also shows the difference in technology because the first one was the CD, the second one was on an iPad. We got like an iTunes called iTunes called that day, and I downloaded I downloaded that song and we put and played it that night. And, and that's the other thing also talking about Shania is how broad her, her, her abilities are to, to do fr from that moment on to the one I mentioned, you know, just so broad and so different. She's just an amazing talent. Yeah. And guess what? She's the Tampa Bay Bucks. Good luck to them in Super Bowls because in Super Bowl 37, Shania Twain performed. And then last, and then February Super Bowl between the Chiefs and Bucks. Guess what? Shania Twain was in attendance. And I, I bet if they're in the position which they which they likely will be to be in this year's, they'll make sure she's there again. Yeah, then yeah, then the, the uh, halftime show might include Shania Twain. I'm just saying, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Mary J. Blige, Doctor Dre and Shania Twain. I mean, we could have we could have one more act in Inglewood, right? Oh yeah, we can definitely do that. It's going to be a heck of a run for the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully, hopefully, you see us get back on the winning trail this week, and uh, we wish all we wish you and your uh, we wish you and your. Um, Friend, well, in your kidney recovery, and hopefully we, we can spread the word and uh, donate and 
and uh, get people who need kidney and donate kidneys to people who need them. Thanks, Dylan. Um, if if you don't mind, I'm gonna I'm gonna shout out my uh, my Twitter handle. That way, if anybody has questions or whatnot, they can always reach out to me. Whether it's football, kidneys, whatever. I'm at Vandergrad92 on Twitter. So, yeah, I'm I'm going. Yeah, I will. Uh, I will share on the Twitter link. So thanks for hopping on and uh, we'll catch you later. Thanks for having me. You have a good night. Take care. Mm -hmm.